Welcome to Open House, the podcast all about having those difficult conversations. Ever had to hash out funeral plans with your terminally ill mum? Or ask if your dad is really your dad? We have, and we want to chat all about it. Join me, Clancy, and me, Mel, as we open up and get into some nitty gritty details. Like therapy, but cheaper. This is Open House. Hello, everyone. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Open House with Mel and Glancy. Dun, dun, wow, dun. I, sound, I sound like a radio presenter and I'm so here for it. I hope you all are too. You do. And if any actual radio stations are listening, book us. Give us a show. Give us a show. <laughs> Make our show happen. Um, yes, we, we are Open House in your ears every Monday, as we usually are. Um, just at the top of the show, we can be found at Open House Pod on Instagram. We've got loads of really great stuff going on. At the moment, we are doing an artist's shout-out. So every day in December, we're giving an artist a shout-out. You can either hashtag us at hashtag open art in order to get our attention, and we will feature you on our page, or... Slide into the DMs, guys. Yeah, folks, slide into our DMs. Get in there. Oosh. We just wanted to use our platform to engage with fellow artists and creatives and shout out their brilliant work. Exactly. So today, everyone, we speak to illustrator and visual storyteller Rosa, who was so open and honest about some mental health challenges she's had um, basically over the years. Rosa speaks to us about anxiety, depression and self-harm. So if you find any of those topics triggering, please feel free to turn off the podcast now. Do know that later on in the podcast, we have a little clip from a clinician from Shout. um, And she basically talks about Shout as a service and some things you can do if you are having mental health challenges. So if you want to tune back in later on the podcast, that's absolutely fantastic but if not please feel free just to turn it off and join back in next week so shout 85258 is a free confidential 24 7 text messaging support service for anyone who is struggling to cope so if you're having any mental health challenges you can text the number 85258 and someone will respond and give you a hand with whatever you're going through Let's crack on with the podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Open House again. Um, we have a wonderful person on our podcast today. Um, Rosa is a young creative living in London. Uh, she started out as a painter and is now a practicing illustrator, writer, and poet. She is also a self-professed plant mom, like myself. Hey. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on the show. Here's Rosa. Hey. Yay. From the audience of two people. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome. How did you start as like an artist and as an illustrator? Well, I've always been like into art since a very very young age. I've always been like very creative. Like even at school, like I'm someone that would get distracted. You'd always find me like doodling in my exercise books and all of Mm -hmm. that. So like it's always started from a young age, but I never thought I would be taking it so seriously to the age I am now. Because when I was younger, I was always like keen. Like, I was always keen to sports and like, I was really, really active. But drawing for me was always something that was just fun and just like, just to take my mind off. But um, as I grew older, so then I went to college. When I was in college, I did art and design. So I did that for two years. And I think being at college was me literally finding exactly what I wanted to do and how I wanted to go about like into this creative big world yeah and um like literally was I didn't 
realized how overwhelming it was at the time but because I think it's because I was so passionate about it and it's something that I really wanted to do that I was completely blindsided by that so I thought you know what this is what I want to do I'm not gonna allow fear to kind of like cloud my mind my brain because I'm currently studying illustration so I'm doing my last year my final year so I go back to uni next week (laughs) yeah so it's a bit hectic at the moment because like we're literally just preparing like projects and like our dissertation and stuff like that so it's hectic but at the same time I'm really looking forward to it where are you at the University of East London so like literally far East London amazing um so shall we get cracking um we'll let you decide which order you want to kind of hash these out in so if you want to introduce your first conversation yes so like when I was in primary school I was always someone that was always very 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 quiet very reserved and really like didn't really have a lot of friends but I knew who my real friends were and um so yeah I was always really quiet and the thing is that I always like from such a like young age like even till now like I'm really open about the fact that I'm really really terrible in maths and like progressively as I got older I had to like they had to put me into like special lead classes and everything and at the time I didn't really understand why I was being put in a special class but um so following from before that like being in year two so I think at that age I think in that year I was five or like six years old um I always remember, like, we had this teacher, I'm not going to say her name, but we had this teacher who was very, very, like, really, really strict. And she would always be, like, very tough, like, if you got any answers wrong or anything, like, that was just, like, you'd get in trouble, you'd have to stay off the class. Mm. And um, so then I always remember it was always myself and my two of my best friends that were not good at math. So, like, we'd always stay behind if we got, like, anything wrong. And specifically, it was always times table multiplications for me and divisions that I was terrible at. Like, looking at it, it was just like a puzzle, like a, a mixed puzzle in my head. Mm-hmm. And so I just remember, like, we had to stay after, like, class. And I don't think, like, even at that time, I don't think he was ever authorised to, you know, keep students behind because they'd be late for their lessons. And um, I always remember, like, I remember so vividly that like, we were sat, like, in a circle and like, our teacher would just, like, you know, she would tell us, okay, one by one, you know, you have to say, you know, well, I'm going to give you a question and if you get it wrong, you'll be like, you know, I'll probably, like, face, you know, the consequence. And the thing is, at that time, we wasn't too sure, like, what was going on. And so, like, this was, like, my first, like, encounter of like, everything, like, that was about to go down at that time that like, I wasn't aware. And um, I remember she asked me, like, for example, I didn't remember the question, but let's say, for example, she had asked me what is three times 21. I would, like, you know, make the effort to count on my fingers and bear in mind that I was really, really young, so it took me a very long time to understand the question. It took me a long time to, like, you know, sum up the numbers in my head. And so I just remember I said, I don't know. I don't know the answer to the question and like, I remember like she would like pull up like our sleeves and like she would like hit us with a ruler on onto the wrist on my wrist and at that time like I didn't understand so I thought oh, okay this is normal like it's normal for like teachers to like you know do that and just like hit you on your arm and um 
so then gradually she asked the next question to the next person like if the person got it right okay well, it was fine they probably got a sticker the next person got it wrong the same thing would happen to them they would be hit on the arm and the more you got the answer wrong the more like she would hit you harder and harder on your arm and it was very like it all happened so quickly to the point where it's just like I never told anybody I never told any of my teachers I never complained to my head teacher she told us not to tell anybody that even like I was so scared to go to her lessons whenever we had maths I never wanted to go because I knew for a fact that we'd have to stay behind like if I got any answers wrong and um you know it happened again and again and again and it just happened like throughout months and you know it's something that I had opened up to my mum about like so bear in mind that happened when I was five years old and I told my mum this happened when I was 20 so only six years ago I told my mum like you know my and the thing is when I told her I, I laughed about it but the thing is like think for me that was just me concealing the pain that I had just because I kind of wanted to come across strong I didn't want to seem weak even though my mom is someone that is very understanding but she was just like well, you know why did you not tell me before like why and I think it was just like the trauma that had led to it that I think I kind of punished myself so I said to myself I don't want to tell anybody like, I didn't want to speak to anyone. Like, nobody, like, knows that. Like, only my mom and, like, just my friends that went through it, nobody else. So, like, this even is, like, the first time I'm, like, openly speaking about it. But, um, but yeah, so when I told my mom, she was just, like, very, very, like, shocked. And um, I never really took it further, like, with the school because, like, it's been 20-plus years since I've been there, but it's one of those things where I never it's something that I always struggled with like at school was like standing up for myself defending myself and like having a voice and I think now like being older like it's something that I really take into consideration is being open is being vocal about things when especially if they're wrong I think it's important to like you know have a platform for you guys and I think that's why like I was really grateful as well that I was given the opportunity to even speak out and speak about things that have you know affected me for such a long time like even like going to like therapists like, I never spoke to them about that either like I mean I think it was just you know I felt embarrassed I didn't want to speak about it I didn't want to like be vulnerable I didn't want to seem weak like even to someone speaking to someone that's sort to help me or like to guide me I didn't want to say anything to them because I didn't want to seem little because that's how I felt when I was in school I felt little and I felt you know overshadowed by this big monster that just you know being a bully you know and and yeah so that's something that I struggled with but I'm glad that I had the moment to speak to my mom about it and like my sister as well and just you know I guess closing that book I suppose but at the same time it's something that will always linger in my mind mm-hmm. yeah wow oh yeah my goodness it's that should never have happened the teacher is meant to be there as a 
you know, authoritative figure, but then also somebody that is there to like help you and guide you and nurture you on what are your formative years. Um, And the fact Mm -hmm. that someone is abusing that is not okay and they're never okay. Mm. Did you find talking to your mum, other than kind of creating that closure, did you find that a helpful cathartic process? Yeah, I found it helpful because I didn't really want to wait until I was like 30 and 40 to tell my mum like, hey, when I was five, like my teacher physically abused me. But I think... I mean, I'm glad I told her, but a part of me wishes I would have told her when I was a bit more younger, when I was still at school. But I didn't, you know, have that in my mind at all because I think it was also being so scared that I didn't know what would happen. I wouldn't say it made me stronger, but it's made me taller as a person, if that makes sense. It's made me more aware and it's made me more um, able to, like, speak up and not be like scared or like fearful like it's made me be able to like not hold back I suppose you know mm-hmm. but um but yeah I'm glad like I told my mom and like my mom understood and it was something that was very difficult even though like you know I kind of like had to put on a mask when I told her but like it was just something that I had to get off my chest because I didn't want to wait till I got older you know completely yeah, yeah. is um to kind of kind of you know, not to dismiss that, but to kind of counter it, is have there been any teachers in your life who have kind of done the opposite and really pushed you to fly and raised you up? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, and, you know, sometimes, like, when I had teachers that were like, hey, you're doing great, you're doing... Like, for me, it was just like, but why? Like, what? Like, why are you being so nice to me? Why? What have I deserved to deserve this, like, praise after year two I think probably like around year four like I had to join that's when I started joining like special needs because um, they had realized I wasn't too great in maths and science as well so I had to do for maths and science and so like it was just like a collective of like other like groups of people that struggled as well like so you had people that you know were dyslexic we had people that were just like slow learners like myself that struggled really badly and just like catch up homework and you know so it was like kind of like a it wasn't an after school club because it was during lessons so you had to like go to these extra lessons like during classes and I think that um it did help me a lot because you were encouraged like to participate so it's not as if they're forcing you like hey you have to do this like no they were gently you know talking to you and just like aiding you and just being a bit more reassure rather than being um nagging you or pushing you so it did help a lot so I think that as well was a good thing completely I I think it's amazing how so many different brains work differently I find it it's fascinating because that's it oh I don't know this is a conversation about the education system I guess that obviously you have to streamline everybody no but yeah you have to streamline lots of different brains and lots of different people into one thing one size that fits all and it's not it's it doesn't work it doesn't work because people are individual and people's brains work differently and we need to be able to nurture that I think a lot better than we do when you're ready do you want to um introduce your second difficult Mm -hmm. oh yeah so um it's explaining anxiety and like my mental illness to my dad. So that like, only two years ago I opened up to my dad and I remember like 
I was in the, we were in the car, like we were driving, like I think he was driving me back home. And um, I just figured, you know, I'm just going to take this moment and just tell him, like, hey. And um, so I just remember telling him, I was like, hey, well, you know, because my <laughs> dad is very, he's someone that I, he's a very, very awkward man. He doesn't like silence. He doesn't like, you know, talking about things that are difficult. He's not an open book at all. And so, like, talking to him about this was, like, very, very, like, you know, anxiety-inducing for me. And so I just told him, I was like, you know, sometimes I really struggle. Like, sometimes I struggle to get out of the house. Sometimes I struggle to meet people. Sometimes I struggle to even talk. Like, you know, doing the smallest task is very difficult for me. And I explained to him, like, I've been struggling with, like, you know, anxiety disorder for years now. And, you know, it affects my life. It affects me not only mentally, but physically as well. Mm. And, you know, the reaction from him was surprising, but at the same time, not so surprising. Like, the first thing he said was, he kind of shrugged off and he's like, well, that does not come from my side. And I was just a bit, I was thrown back because as a dad or as a parent period like you just you'd expect the person to be more caring about it and a bit more you know you, as because the thing obviously I'm not a child but you kind of want that reassurance from your parents to be like oh you know what like like nurturing like um care but I didn't receive that at all and I think it kind of showed me why I never ever wanted to kind of open up and talk to him about that probably a generational thing for him as well because again like in you know it's probably his culture like they just you know the sad thing is like they just don't openly speak about mental health it's amazing the like generational gap in how we talk about mental health yeah because i think like people our age especially are so much more forthcoming and like i feel that we're we're lucky to have the vocabulary for it yeah language is always evolving and it is changing which means that yeah we can articulate things yeah like in i was i was going through a terrible period of anxiety over lockdown it was actually mel who was like i think you need to talk to someone like professionally Mm -hmm. about it and i'd kind of wanted to see a therapist before but like almost hadn't felt like the financial cost of it was worth it at that point in time. Mm. Like to a point where I was like just crying all the time. I was like, I cannot get on with the shell of a life that I do have in lockdown. Um, But I remember just like lying on my yoga mat, like shaking, like, I think you're right. (laughs) Um, But I'm lucky that we were able to, to say that and to be able to go, no, you know what, this is a, this is a mental health issue. Just like if I had a problem with a bone, I'd go and see the GP. I need to go and see someone for yeah. my brain. Yeah. Like if you have a physical, mm-hmm. you know, if you, I don't know, pull a muscle or you do something um, that requires physiotherapy or requires a trip to the doctor for a, a scan, do you know what yeah. I mean? We take care of ourselves physically um, a lot quicker than we do, I think, generalized but um it seems that we're getting better at it but yeah it's 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 very easy quick fix to pop to the doctor or go to physio or i don't know even get like acupuncture or something like i've done that before right? yeah. <laughs> i decided to go in and get therapy um and i think yeah mental health as is you know akin to it's, it is akin to physical health and we should be 
if you can and if you're able to. Oh, completely. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think that that, that kind of period sounds like kind of, you know, n- not nothing, but um, a relatively short stint in comparison to what you've described. But like, I don't know about you, but like, I found it quite debilitating, like just unable to mm-hmm. motivate myself to, and everyone yeah. was like, write a play. And I'm like, I can't leave the yoga mat (laughs) yeah Yeah. have you found that access to um services such as therapy etc have been um like accessible um for you obviously or something that you wanted to do in light of as you said you weren't able to speak to your um father Mm -hmm. about that um I just wondered if that is something that you found easy to access or something that you got to a point like you did mm. and you were like this is something that I want to access like when I left um secondary school I that's when I decided I was like okay I really want to like speak to like a therapist and just see like what my options are and what they could advise me and which route I can go down mm. and um so when I spoke to my GP like you know, typically they always ask okay what are you feeling and why you feel that way or like in you know mentally like what sort of headspace am I in and you know it's kind of like I remember just me like literally vomiting my life at this Mm. at the GP and just like telling him like okay I feel like this this that because I feel like at that time like I felt so helpless I really needed to speak to someone I really needed like you know dare I say I needed help I needed guidance I didn't know who to talk to I didn't you know my friends like I didn't my friends, I don't think they would have understood. I mean, I say it now, but I I didn't know. So I said, okay, I, you know, I really want to speak to someone. And they, um, they advised me to do either like group therapy or like they said, if I'm not, we could talk on the phone or you can just have a one-to-one with one person. And um, they advised me like to just do like, you know, do things online that maybe may help you, like uh, mindfulness. So I kind of looked into like, you know, mindfulness and I told the guy that I think first I want to start talking on the phone with someone. And um, so that was like my first like therapy session was just talking to someone on the phone, which was okay. I mean, at the time it was a bit like, it was kind of hard for me to kind of like, I think it kind of showed me that maybe I prefer talking in person. That way I kind of get a feeling of how you know, this person is reacting or like how, you know, they're because it's important like for him to see my body language as well as their body language too. And, um, but yeah, I mean, it was okay, but like, I felt like it was just, it was a hit and miss for me and I was a bit indifferent about it at the time. If I'm speaking to someone that already understands, then we don't already need to go back down this route of like, tell me about your life, what happened, why you so sad type thing. And I think, like, it's more just getting straight to the point of what we can do and how this may help or how that may help. And I think, importantly, it's just having a conversation as well. And I think that also, as well, is important as well as just talking about what, you know, is wrong. I think having a conversation on its own is just something that, is therapeutic as well and it's very it's good for your like it's good to just speak about life in general for me if anybody listening is thinking of doing it or going into 
into it. Do you have any advice in terms of like, do you think it's worth if you have any of those, you know, doubts about the person that you're speaking to, to just sort of like park it there and then move on and find, and find somebody else that you're more, um, what's the word, mm. uh, more like in line with to talk to? I would definitely advise, you know, just do whatever you feel is right. And if you don't feel like doing it, then that's fine. If you feel like doing it, that's also fine as well. And I think that it's your own choice. I don't think anybody should kind of dictate what you should or shouldn't do. You know, I mean, I think it's important to kind of see what are the best options for you out there and just speaking to someone speaking really helps you know in different ways like to speak where you can speak online or you can speak like anywhere writing going on blogs and stuff like that like you and I think it will kind of help you grow as well as a person too which is important so yeah completely brilliant advice yeah really good advice so I guess we've come around to other conversation yes Mm -hmm. if you're if you're happy to happy to run with that yes yes I think I put the last that I think it's a difficult one this last one but I'm happy to like open up about it and like just the disclaimer that it might be like triggering for other people to like listen to because like it's about self-harm as well but um so so yeah so when I think when I was in my 20s. I was already in my early 20s. Well, I'm already in my early 20s. But I was in my 20s. And um, I was going through a really, really, really bad, like, depressive episode, like, really, really bad to the point where I didn't know what I was doing with my life. I had no job. I wasn't too sure whether I wanted to continue going to uni anymore. And it's one of those ones where I felt so alone and it's kind of like you can have friends like you can have like a great support system like you have your family around you but I still felt so alone like in this world I didn't know who to speak to and I think that it was also at the time where like my mum was actually finally understanding what you know mental health issues were because obviously like my mom is also from a generation where things like that wasn't really spoken about it wasn't really you know she didn't really understand and I think the good thing is my mom understood and she managed to like accept that and support me but um but yes it was you know it was a really bad time for me and like I didn't really want to like even like leaving the house I didn't leave the house for weeks and weeks like I stopped talking to people like I just delete everything and I think that subconsciously like whenever like I think back about it whenever I even told like you know my GP you know why I always like the same word I was always said was I kept saying punishing myself I was punishing myself for so and so but you know when I started self-harming that I didn't you know it's not that I didn't understand why but I just wanted like to kind of fill up that void of just feeling you know less depressed I didn't want to like I kind of wanted to numb myself from like all of these like negativity in my head and just like all these bad thoughts I kind of wanted to get rid of all of that so I told my mom and I was like you know I'm not okay you know, I've been 
you know, not taking the wisest decisions and I've just been doing things I shouldn't be doing. And, you know, my mom, she, like, I'm, you know, grateful for the fact that my mom understood and accepted that, you know, I wasn't okay. And it was just like the consolation that I kind of needed from her. It was kind of the reassurance that I needed from my mum as well. Gradually, I feel like I'm becoming more uh, better. I mean, sometimes I have like my moments, I'm just like, oh, I feel like, I kind of feel like shit. So I'm just going to rest a bit and just like, you know, I would draw or just write, but like, it's something that I kind of like never want to go back to. I don't ever want to like, go back to that dark place and like sometimes I do think oh my god I'm scared if I go back down that road but I'm think I think I'm in like this bubble where I'm just presenting more and more like positivity in my life and like being around good energy as well is important because I think it's important to project that to receive that so yeah Thank you so much for sharing that story. Yeah, thank you. And I think there will be so many people who have been through similar experiences that need to feel like they're not alone as well. Is there anything you would have liked your friends to say to you or reach out to you in that time that you think would have maybe made you feel less alone and less in your own bubble, as you say? Um, or not at all. Yeah. I just wanted like, to feel protected I wanted someone to kind of just I just wanted to be held and just be like you know what it's okay just someone to say it's okay you'll be fine like I didn't want anybody to question or like say hey why like stop this that like I just wanted like action and small words of like like reassurance that's it like I didn't like even like if a friend had reached out you know simple things like hey let's go for a walk like things like that can instantly it can lift a person's mood and I think that's also something that needs to be put out there more is like if like you're you feel like your friend is being distant and like it's really important to like reach out like they're not deliberately sometimes they're not deliberately like you know blanking you or like being cold like sometimes you don't know what somebody's going through and it's important to like reach out and be like hey I hope you're okay. I think that's all we have for today. Thank yeah. you so much for Thank being you with us. Thank you guys. Thank you for having me on your platform and allowing me to share and just like open my heart to you guys. So I'm, I'm extremely grateful. And thank you for reaching out to me also. I'm really, really happy <laughs> about that. So thank you so much. Thank you so, so much to Rosa for coming on the podcast. You can now hear our interview with Christine, who is a clinician from Shout. And once again, Shout can be reached via their tech service on 85258. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, my pleasure. It's great to be here. I think that's, that's very wise to make sure that there's support if you're going to talk about tough things. Absolutely, absolutely. So we'll get cracking with the questions. Um, if a person has experienced some degree of trauma, what initial steps would you kind of recommend so that they can begin to heal and start on their journey? Sure. So I think the biggest thing is to sort of flip your perspective around traumatic thoughts and emotions that come up. I think a lot of times when we go through a trauma, we think that we want to move on. And if the thoughts or emotions come up, that that's a real negative thing and we try and suppress them. 
And actually, the more that we try and suppress thoughts and emotions, there's some really interesting research that shows they actually grow stronger. So it's kind of like one of those finger traps where the more you pull, the more you get stuck. So the more you kind of try to tell yourself, don't think about this, don't think about this, don't feel this, don't feel this, the stronger the emotions and thoughts are going to become. So I really like to work with people by telling them to kind of flip your thinking around emotions. And instead of saying the strong emotion is clouding my reason and it's making it more difficult to cope, kind of look at the the emotion or the thought with curiosity and say, what is this trying to tell me? Uh, What can I do in this moment to sort of cope with it instead of just trying to suppress it? So things that can be really helpful with that are grounding techniques, just to bring yourself back to the present moment and kind of approach that emotion with curiosity instead of just trying to get rid of it, making it stronger. So there are some grounding techniques that that we do even virtually over uh, the tech service at Shout. Uh, Things like just picking up an object near you. And touching it and seeing how many things you can notice. Uh, Does it feel slippery? Is it bendable? Is it stiff? Uh, What color is it? Is it soft? Is it hard? Just bringing your full attention to any object that you touch. Um, That could be a great grounding technique. There's other ones where you can bring your attention to your hearing. So you can say, what sounds around me? Can I hear traffic outside? Can I hear the buzz of my computer battery charging? Can I hear my phone pinging? Can I hear my own breathing? And just bringing your full attention into the present moment instead of trying to struggle and fight against those strong emotions and thoughts. Absolutely. I mean, I don't know about you, but I find that very difficult. I do some yoga and shavasana is the most difficult moment (laughs) in the practice. So it takes a lot of skill and practice to kind of ground. Yeah. And it's interesting you bring up yoga and movement because I think that's another really fascinating way to cope with trauma. Uh, trauma is so connected to our bodies um, because it's it's our body sort of sticking in that hyper arousal state. So if you can bring physical movement in to sort of cope with your trauma, that's an incredible way to start just getting your body out of that hyper arousal state. So for some people, it's it's a movement like yoga. Others need something, um, maybe even more of an emotional release, like boxing or running. Uh, but if if you can sort of release those emotions that uh, through the physical way, that is an incredible way to cope as well. It's kind of for people who are keeping an eye out for those people around them, especially like this year. If someone around you is showing signs that they're struggling with their mental health, what can you do to help? Because I know it's that thing of like, do you approach someone? Do you direct them to people like shout, you know, and what are the signs to keep an eye out for? Yeah, I would say the biggest thing to be looking out for are are real deviations from normal. So, you know, your friends and family, you kind of know their, their normal habits. So are they more socially withdrawn? Can you not get a hold of them? Do they keep sort of uh, canceling, hanging out or, or talking on the phone? Do you notice them eating less or sleeping more? I'd say that, that everybody sort of experiences trauma and, and mental health challenges differently. So the best thing to sort of look out for is when somebody's behavior sort of significantly changes from their normal. Um, and I think that you really can't go wrong reaching out directly and opening up the space. So generally, people really aren't going to be offended if you ask them directly about their mental health. They actually might feel a huge weight sort of lifted off their shoulders when you've opened up the space and, and sort of said it directly. But by that same token, uh, giving the person space to to take whatever sort of support 
they want from you. So different people are going to want different things from different friends and different family members. So if you open up that space and you just let them know, hey, I'm I'm here if you want to talk about this thing. I've noticed XYZ difference in you. Um, but, you know, I can be a distraction for you. We can go on a walk together. We can do you know, some of that physical exercise together, we can play a game together, or I'm willing to go there and and talk about this thing with you. Um, And really just listening and validating them, letting them know that their experience is normal, it's understandable, uh, and not trying to fix it. Because I think that when we see someone we love struggling, our first instinct is to really try to fix it for them. We want to pull them out of that hole and we get into problem solving mode. And that's almost... uh, sort of separating yourself from the person and, and disconnects from empathy. So instead of saying, here are all these strategies, how I'm going to fix it for you and get you back to normal and help you see the bright side, instead going there with them and just saying, like, I'm here to, to dig into this with you. I'm just here to listen and experience this with you. I think that that is true empathy instead of trying to pull someone out and change the situation. Mm, absolutely. Thank you so much. That's such, so beautifully said. Um, and then if if say I am a person struggling with experiencing mental health challenges, what free resources can I access to kind of begin to unpack everything that I'm going through? Yeah, so of course there is Shout, um, which is a free 24-7 confidential text service for anybody struggling to cope. And I think Shout is a really good starting point because not only can you talk through sort of the, the struggle that you're going through, whether it's big or small, it can really be anything from you know, as extreme as active suicidal thoughts to just struggling with work or a relationship, anything qualifies as as being able to text shout. Um, And not only can you talk it through, but we have a library of over 600 free national resources there. So somebody can really sort of hear exactly what you're going through and come up with a custom solution and, and plan for you to move forward. That sounds like a fantastic resource. Thank you so much for telling me about that. Um, And then obviously, I don't know, is there, in terms of like therapy, is there, I know there's, you can access therapy on the NHS. Is that like a service that you'd recommend? Yeah, I think that that is a, that's a great place to start if you feel comfortable sort of opening up about that. Um, Of course, a a tax service is a great, more anonymous place to start if you're if you're not quite ready to to go there. But certainly, talking to your your GP about getting you on the track to get professional support can be an incredible resource. There are also so many books as well as podcasts. uh, In addition to yours, of course. I mean, if you're here listening to this, you're already starting on the process. But uh, Brene Brown, an emotional and, and empathy and resilience researcher, also has a great podcast called Unlocking Us that can begin you on the path to exploring resilience and how you can take some of those strategies. I've been recommended her podcast many a time. I need to get cracking on that one. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Christine, for all of your help. I really, really appreciate it. And thank you for coming on the podcast to let listeners know about Shout. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. This has been Open House with Mel Lowe and Clancy Ryan. Music by Glenn Clark. Music by Glenn Clark.